influence. I want to talk to you today about the power of influence. Anybody been influenced in their life before? Now, more of you have been influenced and it's raised your hands. I can tell by what you've got on today that you've been influenced. I can tell by the way you combed your hair today. You've been influenced how you put on your makeup today. You brush your teeth. Somebody influenced you. Something influenced you, right? You're here today. And we've all been influenced in one fashion or another. Um, you know, the proofs in the pudding. Basically, what outwardly we express is what inwardly has influenced us. Uh, for instance, how, how many of you know chocolate pudding's good? Come on. The proof is in the pudding. In other words, if you've experienced chocolate pudding, outwardly you show that you've experienced chocolate pudding. You know what I'm saying? And some of us have been experiencing way too much chocolate pudding, right? We've all been influenced by something. Today I want to talk about the power of influence and how... God wants to influence you so that you can be an influencer wherever he has placed, placed you. And honestly, we have all been shaped by something. Just think with me for just a moment. Something has reflected into our life. Something has shown into our life. Something that we have experienced in life has begun to shape who we are. And, and the power of influence has the power to to shape a community. It has the power to shape a family. You know, just think with me for just a moment. Um, anytime you ask a kid, you say, hey, you know what? What do you want to be when you grow up? Normally, kids want to be something great. They want to be something amazing. And so whatever they perceive as being great and whatever they see as being amazing is typically what influences them and, and they want to become. And lots of times, you know, let me speak to parents for just a moment. Whenever we look at our kids, we don't like what we see. Well, I got to ask you a question. Is what are you being in front of your kids to influence them and shape them into who they are? And there's a lot of things today that that vie for their attention, that influences them, that, that shapes them. I mean, we have exposure to everything underneath the name of the sun. You turn on the TV, you turn on the internet, you get on the Wi-Fi. I mean, you just, you just name it. So many things are influencing people. So that means, you know what, we as parents, we have to, have to create boundaries and, and we don't always just give our kids liberty to do what they want to do and become what they want to do. Something has to shape them. And if, if we don't like what we're seeing shaped, then, then maybe, you know what, we need to reflect something different into their lives. Honestly, we serve a great father, a great God who wants to powerfully influence us to be great. But are we, are we all gleaning into the greatness of our father, of the greatness of our great God, God, and he is impacting our life in such a way that we're influencing those around us. I've never seen a kid that don't want to become great. 
Most everybody wants to become great at some point in life. And, and maybe life sucks that greatness out of you or that attitude towards greatness out of you. But most people aspire to be something that they perceive being great. You know, whenever I was a kid, I actually, uh, I, I grew up um, in, in the country. And oftentimes when I was six or seven years old, my parents, both of my parents worked. And so if I were sick at school or sometimes even during the summer months, I needed to, to, to stay with someone. Oftentimes it was with my grandmother. I called my grandmother Granny, and my granny was an awesome lady, and I would stay at her house, and, and when I stayed at her house, she didn't live in the country, she lived in the city, she lived in town. And if you would have asked me when I was six or seven years old what I perceived as being great, I, I want to share that with you today. Because when I would stay with her, she would often ask me the question that adults often ask kids, hey, what do you want to, what do you want to be when you grow up? And in her, at her house on her street in town, they had something called trash pickup. <laughs> we didn't have that where I lived out in the country. We burned our trash out in a pile somewhere in the backyard. But I was amazed at this, this amazing truck that would come by her house and roll the container out of, out of the shed and roll it up, you know, to the truck. And these guys would jump off the back of the truck. And this little lift thing would dump the trash over in the, in the back of the truck. And it would compact it together. Anybody seen one of those trucks around? I thought that thing was amazing. I mean, you didn't even have to carry the trash to the street. They came and got it. And they would ride off to the next house, riding off the back of that truck, hanging off the back of that truck. And my granny would say, what you want to be when you grow up? And I'd be like, I want to ride on the back of that truck. Because <laughs> that's what I perceived as greatness. Your perception of greatness determines what you express and reflect to those around you. And today, I want to propose to you, God is great God is good. And I want to talk to you today about his amazing glory. Lots of times we talk about the glory of God and we, we refer to the glory of God. But the Bible says that the church, those who believe in Jesus and gather themselves together, should be influenced by God's greatness, by God's glory, in such a way that it, it flows out of them into the world around them. In other words, the Bible says we are to be a reflection. Those of us who have believed in Jesus are to be a reflection of God's amazing glory. Listen to what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. This is how the writer phrases it. It says, so all of us, let's say that word us together, us. That's more than one. You know, greatness, the greatness of God is bigger than just one of us. Greatness is too big of a number for one. So the Bible says, 
So all of us who have had the veil removed, who have basically experienced God, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us, let's say that word us together, us, makes us more and more like him as we, let's say we, we are changed into his glorious image. So so basically this passage of scripture says this, that whenever something is removed from our life, we can experience the, the greatness or the glory of God. And when we experience the greatness and glory of God, it influences us in such a way that we reflect that greatness and want to be like that greatness. Now, I find that fascinating because the Bible says the spirit of the Lord is the one that, that deposits that greatness in us. And so the Bible also teaches us that that veil for us not wanting to, to be like God, that there's only one who can lift that veil and his name is Jesus. But let's get a good definition of what the glory of God is today for a reference point to start off. Because, because if we can begin to grab hold of the glory of God, the glory of the creator, I, I really think that some of us may glean into that and want to reflect that with our life. So what is the glory of the Lord? The Hebrew, the Hebrew word for glory is, is, is kavod. And Basically, this word, when you see glory here in this passage, it points to God's worth. It points to the creator, God's reputation. It points to honor and the authority and the weightiness of of a supreme God. And so whenever we talk about the glory of God, basically it's, encapsulated in it's God's reputation. And so I've got to ask myself and ask us as a church, if God is great and God is good and God is amazing, then then what are we reflecting? Because we either are reflecting that goodness and that greatness and that amazing uh, parts of God that he has designed us to reflect or, or else we're blinded to it and we're just, we're just kind of stagnant and we haven't experienced that greatness. Let's be clear today of, of how you enter into God's presence. You know, that's why Jesus came. The Bible says that Jesus is what gives us access to our creator. It's it's why he came on the cross. So if we're going to experience the glory of God, then the Bible says we come into God's presence to experience his greatness through, through Jesus, through Christ Jesus. The glory of God can be seen and manifested in a lot of things. And the Bible says that that the heavens display the glory of God. I mean, who in the world 
could not look into the sky and maybe we've become inoculated to the amazing things that there's planets and there's stars and there's a moon and there's a sun that hangs in the atmosphere and in the sky and in the heavens. And, and can you imagine the one who hung the stars and the moon and, and, and the sun and the sky makes it come up at the same time, makes the rhythm of the earth turn around. The Bible says, That all of this declares the greatness of God. The amazing greatness of who our God is. Once a man named Moses who led a group of people that were in slavery and bondage asked God to show him his glory. And the Bible says that God didn't show Moses the fullness of his glory. Moses only got a glimpse of God's glory. Can I tell you that those heavens you look into, that ocean that you look at and it only comes so far, you know, and and tides only bring it up so far and take it away so far and all that declares the glory of God. Can I tell you, that's just a glimpse of God's amazing glory. The Bible says that Moses got a glimpse of God's amazing glory. But according to this passage... The Bible says we, we have the opportunity to experience more of God's glory than Moses even did. Because we can see his glory and reflect his glory. But I wonder if we're alerted to the glory of God. The Bible says that the fullness of God's glory came in a man named Jesus The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, it says this. It says that Jesus is, is, that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. It says in Hebrews that Jesus radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. So if we look at the faith of Jesus and, and the life of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus and And all of these things about Jesus, and that means that we can begin to see the fullness of God's character and the fullness of God's amazing glory. And we have an opportunity that Moses didn't even have. He got a glimpse, but we can gaze upon his amazing glory. The Bible says that Jesus lets us gaze into the character of God and the things of God enter into God's access. But it's the spirit of the living God that he deposits into the human heart that begins to help us reflect this amazing glory. And so I'm asking you today because here in this passage, he says, the Lord is the spirit. And basically what he's saying is it's the spirit of God that will illuminate the greatness of God. But my friend, you must first access the spirit through Christ Jesus. And if you don't access the spirit through Christ Jesus, then maybe you don't ever know the glory of God. What's interesting is the Bible says that the glory and the spirit wasn't just upon Christ. He was the God-man. He was 100% human and 100% God. 
And my friend, he was the fullness of God's amazing glory. But, but the Bible says that he took at his resurrection and he poured out the spirit of God on humanity so that we in the various, in the various forms as various people could begin to reflect the image of God to a community. And so really, if, if, if we're going to reflect the glory of God, if we're going to see it and reflect it, we have to do it in community. Amen. It's God's design. Greatness is too big for one. Greatness is too big. The greatness of God is too big for me. The greatness of God is too big for you. But together, in unity, understanding the glory and understanding the greatness and us living out the part that he called us to live out, then we can become a reflection to the world of the greatness of God. This is why it's impossible for you to reflect the glory of God by yourself. Take the pressure off yourself. You don't have to be God. All you have to do is be the part that God has given you and play that out in unity with other people playing their part. And I got to ask the question. If God is great and God is good and God is magnificent and God is kind and God is loving and God is merciful and God is audacious and God is compassionate and God, God is courageous. That's greatness. Then why are so many not attracted to God? And I have to understand and I have to believe it's because God is looking for a people to live in community and unity together Amen. and reflect his divine presence into the place he has placed them. It's called the church, the called out ones. Church isn't a place you go to. It's not a building you're in. It's the people you are. And the Bible says that the spirit of God gives each one of us a part. Can you imagine we may for just a moment if we were all playing our part of how magnificent and great God would be in the community? You know, again, God's not after a crowd. He's after a community. A community of people that understand who he is and then reflects who he is in the world. Crowds can gather around anything. Tom Brady. There's crowds that gathered around Tom Brady last weekend, right? Some crowds hated him. Some crowds loved him. But he was the central focus of the community. See, see what we're trying to do here at Barefoot Church is build a community of people. We're, we're not just trying to build a crowd of people. It's not a problem to attract a crowd. Just come on Easter. You'll see what I'm talking about. But, but what God's after is a community that displays his greatness. 
And so what we're running after as a church is, is a, a community, an environment where God's presence can reside in his people, through his people. And we live out in unity together who God is and we display his glorious image to, to the greater community, to the greater area. And again, I want to get this in our hearts today because the Bible says we can see the glory of God and we can reflect the glory of God and we're changed in his glorious image as we work together for this common cause. And so many people think church is uniformity instead of unity. And there's a big difference. God's diverse and he gives diverse gifts and he gives diverse diverse aspects of who he is to to, to different people in the church. It's not that we all become the, the same the same nuance of God, but it's that we all are unified around why we are here and we're connected to a group of people to carry that out. And I'll go ahead and take it this far. That God doesn't just give you a gift. He gives you a gift, a spiritual gift, a nuance of who he is, of his amazing glory, not to just connect wherever, whenever you want to, but where he sees the need for your gift to be used and my gift to be used and joined together. And you know what? It's not a choice where I use my gift. It's an assignment where I use my gift because it's unifying for the purpose of God. And it's moving forward. It's moving forward with the same heart and the same mind and moving forward with the same vision. See, this is the interesting interesting thing of Western church today is when when God shares with our heart and he he reveals a lot to all of us. I've been thinking a lot on that too. I hear people telling me all the time, God talked to me. Personally, I've never heard God speak audibly. But he speaks to my heart, and I know what people mean. He speaks to my heart, and he influences me in a direction, and I communicate with him. But what I've come to a conclusion of is God does a whole lot more revealing than he does talking. God is a revealer, not a talker. God revealed himself down through history to human beings. He showed his glory. He revealed his glory down through history, who he is. The Bible says now in the fullness of, of time, he showed his face, his character through the person of Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is gaze upon Jesus and step into God's presence and begin to let God define who we are. And where we belong. I think some of us are trying to figure out how we belong. And what our assignment from God is. By you know going to other people and getting their opinion of of who we are. I want to invite you to do something different. Not take a spiritual gifts test. But why don't you go to the one who gives the gift. And ask him what your gift is and where your gift belongs. Because can I tell you something? He's crystal clear on the journey to reveal to you what your gift is and where your gift is belong. Think of my own journey. 
It's, it's clear. And again, it, it was a journey. I didn't discover this all in one day. I didn't like, hey, put my faith and belief in Jesus, enter into God's presence, and God says, hey, here's your assignment, now go and do it. In other words, I didn't wake up one day and want to be a preacher. I, I didn't dream of being a preacher all of my life. But, but when God influenced me through Christ Jesus and I saw the character and face of God and began to see the purpose of God, I didn't know how I fit into God's plan, but I began to ask God where he wanted me to fit in and how he wanted me to fit in. And as I began to engage myself in God's great plan, guess what? God began to reveal to me and he began to direct my steps towards where I am today. So what does that mean? It wasn't like a, just, hey, you know, preaching is popular and holding a microphone is popular and, you know, that's what you do. Matter of fact, it went against the very grain of who I was humanly. And I share with you my story because I didn't, like I said, I didn't like, I, I, I come to know who God was in a little country church and I just knew God had called me to minister and to take what was in my hands and do what I could that day. And as I began to do that, God began to open the door. He began to uh, share with me what he wanted me to do and the part that I can play. And again, it's been a development process, still is a development process, but it is God in me doing this, partner with other people that God is in and they are doing it. It's not us. It is God in us, flowing through us as we glean upon the greatness of God through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. He deposits it's in us and then we begin to live that out in such a way that it manifests itself Amen. that this is God calling people to himself Amen. see the Bible says that no one comes to God without the father in heaven drawing them to himself and so all we're doing is submitting ourselves to our great God and understanding who he says we are and then and then beginning to live it out. And if you want to be influenced by God and experience God and express God, then I invite you to step into his divine glory. It's, it's really what God has called the human race to do, is to express who he is to the world around him. Express who he is, his character, his nature, an image of God in this earth. But greatness is too big for one. You can't do it. By yourself. Take the pressure off yourself. God didn't pour every aspect of his, his character into one person. The Bible says the spirit distributes the gifts. So that, so that we can begin to live out who he is in this earth. And that's the journey we're on here at Barefoot Church. We're, we're trying to be unified in purpose trying to be unified in what we're doing and again we've done a good job of drawing a crowd but let me share with you what we're physically getting ready to do we're hoping to build a new campus on a piece of property that we purchased over five years ago across that waterway what's wrong with this building nothing so why are we doing it because god didn't call us just to draw a crowd he called us to be a community. 
And what we believe is it's time for us as a family, as a group, to display God's, God's amazing character in community with other people, not just in a building on Sunday mornings, but to live that out each and every day of the week and, and build a campus and a facility that begins to happen in. Again, if you're satisfied with walls and a few seats and some lights and a weekend experience, then that probably doesn't mean anything to you. But, but for us who believe in God and believe that God wants the church to be a people in a people to change a people and draw people into his family and, and live out of design in such a way that God is the center of the community and not something else, then, then you know what, uh, then, then maybe you'll be on board with this vision. But again, you know, that is who we are. The Bible says that we're to be a city on a hill. A lot into this world. And, and I, I do take that into the tangible, into the physical. If I could have it my way, if we had enough money, we'd build a big old mountain over there on that 60 acres. And we'd put the building right up on top of the hill where it would shine out into the world. And the world would know that we are here, that God is here. We are God's people. He is the center of our community. And everybody want to come into our community. And then even the kids, when it snowed here in Myrtle Beach, could slide down the hill. Be awesome. But again, why do we want to do that? Why don't we want to just move to another building? Why don't we want to just stay here? Because we believe that God has revealed. Clearly, it is time to move. We have believed that God says, hey, you know what? It is, it is time to start this journey and this process. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know when it's all going to come together. I don't know when it's going to happen. But God has been clear. Share the vision. And so I'm sharing the vision with a whole group of people. And I'm going to share a passage with you in just a few moments. You know what? There's going to be people in the room, people in the community, people everywhere that, you know what? They are not going to be with it. God says, share the vision. Because I need my presence to show up in this community. We came here to start a little congregation of people and to display who God is. But I never dreamed that God wanted to show up this way. And can I tell you something? It's not just about having a crowd. It's about having a community. It's about people doing life together. It's about people doing life together, not just revolving around something, a book study, or something like that. It's about people doing a life together and God being the center of the community. And so, you know, that's where we're headed. It's kind of the vision. And I, I don't have all the plans in place and all those kind of things, but we're moving forward. Amen. And we're moving forward as quickly as we can go. Yes, Lord. And God is asking us to be a part. So, how do we reflect the glory of God? Well, I think it's pretty clear in this passage. Number one is something has to be removed. So, so it's got to be lifted off. Everybody say lift off. Lift and only God can lift the veil. Only God can lift the veil where his glory can be seen. And his glory can be experienced and his glory can be reflected. And again, it's not me lifting the veil to enter in God's presence. 
It's not me personally. It's not you personally. It's not what you do. It's not what your grandmama does. It's not what a denomination does. It's not what a church does. It's not any of that stuff. It is simply God's provision that allows the veil to be lifted. And it's your belief in his provision. The Bible says it's impossible for the veil to be lifted to the presence of God except through Christ Jesus. Look what it says in the passage right above this 318 passage. It says it in, in, in Coloss- I mean, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 15, this way, or verse 14, it says, The veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. So, so if you're not experiencing the glory of God, the greatness of God, and you don't understand completely, who God has created you to be and what part he has created you to be of in his, in his reflecting wherever he has placed you, then I invite you to let Jesus lift the veil and then get on the journey and begin to let God define you. But without your participation, guess what? Then maybe you're not gonna, you're not gonna find the, the avenue and what God has called you to do in displaying his greatness. First, you've got to let Jesus lift the veil. It's what the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is all about. It's why he came. Was to forgive us from being separated from God. And opening the, the door, opening the gate, opening the veil, whatever you want to call it. So that you and I could glean. Not just get a glimpse, but glean into God's majesty and greatness. Why would you have that kind of access and not step into his amazing presence? Let Jesus lift the veil. Number two, if you're going to experience the glory of God, not only do you need to have the veil lifted, but I wrote it down this way. You got to scope it out. Scope out the things of God. There's a lot of opinions about God. They're everywhere. They're in churches. They're in Walmart. There's opinions about God in your workplace. There's opinions about God in your neighborhood. There's opinions about God in different cultures. But, but. If we're truly going to express who God is, the creative God, the loving God, the caring God, the focused God, the planner God, the intentional God, the excellent God, the God filled with compassion, the provider, the giver, the attentive, audacious, courageous, overcomer, firm, kind, merciful, gracious God, then you can't do it without looking into the face of Jesus, understanding who he is and then letting that radiate to you so you radiate it to others again there's all kinds of opinions about how you get to God do this do that don't do this don't do that no, you know what? And again, God does have a list of do's and don'ts, but it is the spirit of the living God that is reflected into your heart that gives you the attitude of Christ Jesus and follows out, follow through with your assignment. 
It's not just a list of words on a page. The Bible says God writes his character on your heart. Is that what you desire? The things that God has written on your heart. The things that the spirit has deposited in you. The things that the living God and the assignment he has given you. Greatness is too big for one. Do you see yourself as reflecting God? Or have you joined up with the other parts of God and his family to reflect him to a community? Because this is why it's important to be a part of a family of believers. It's not just because we all believe in Jesus. It's because we've all been infected by the spirit of God. And we know that we're not God himself, but we're a part of God's family. And we're having an assignment to reflect God to the greater community. But where do we get this idea? It is from God and his word and the spirit of the living God. And it's not from Google. It's not through history. It's not through this and that or whatever else. It's because, you know what, we have entered into God's presence and experienced what he said and got a download into our heart. Amen. That's how we begin to express who God is. You've you got to search it out. You've got to scope it out. Scope out the things of God's. You know, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand what's good and what's bad. Most of us know that in our heart and in our life. But it, but it takes the Spirit of God to help us overcome certain things so that we don't give in to the bad influences, but we give in to the influence of our Creator. Yeah. And my friend, unless you are in that communion, step into that divine presence then you don't experience the fullness of God and you only come to it through Jesus but scope it out and then I wrote down in my journal if we're gonna really reflect this to the community not only do we need to scope it out we need to live it out that's why the scriptures say things don't just be a hearer of the word but be a doer of the word it's, it's not, not so you can get into heaven it's so that heaven can get into you. Yes. Yes. Let me explain that. A lot of church's vision is to help people get into heaven. I don't really think that needs to be the vision. I think the vision is this. It's to get what's up there down here into people's heart so that they will enter into eternity. But God didn't call us just to get people into heaven. God called us to bring his glory and his heavenlies into this earth and be image bearers of who he is and spread it to all people, not so they can keep going in the same direction, but so that they can begin to live by his amazing standards and glory. It's not believing to check it off and go to heaven one day. It's believing that heaven has come to you and opening your heart to the things of an eternal God. 
And so again, our vision isn't just to help you get to heaven. Our vision is to be a community of people that bring heaven to earth into people's life so they begin to experience God in the fullness of who he is right here and right now. What if the church began to live that out? What if we really believed In a God who has opened the gates of heaven wide open. And he has called us out of darkness into the wonderful light. We got a glimpse of that amazing light. And we begin to reflect it wherever we go in life. What if, what if, if I didn't do it by myself, but you did it and and they did it. And we all did it as a community of people. Can I tell you something? They would be lined up at the door like they are at the house of blues to get in this place and share the goodness of a great God. So why do people line up at that? Because they perceive that as greatness. You'll be a rock star like Bon Jovi one day. If you go to the concert. Nothing wrong with the concert. It's pretty incredible. But at the end of the day, the concert can't take God's place. What if we created a concert with God as the center of it? And you know what? And our hearts were concerned for humanity and bringing them to the living God that we know. Again, what becomes the center of a community is what people are attracted to. And I got to believe that the creator that I know is the most attractive thing on the planet. So what's the challenge? It's reflection. Do you look like you've been baptized in lemon juice? Or do you look like the spirit of God has come into your life? And though the lemon juice is there, you make lemonade out of the lemon juice. And you know what? You keep pressing and you keep persevering. Because when I see Jesus, the face of my Jesus... The character of my Jesus. I don't see a passive individual. I see an overcomer. I see an audacious one that will stand in the place of the devil's schemes. And he will stand and he will die for you and me to prove that when you glean on the things of God, God will come into your life and help you even overcome death itself. Jesus followed through with his amazing assignment. He had every reason not to. Ridicule. Unpopularity. Religion. Know-it-alls.
But Jesus knew the one who put it all together. As a matter of fact, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then the Bible says, He, the Word, became flesh, made His dwelling among us, full of grace and amazing truth. This is the Jesus I'm talking about. Get a vision for who He is, and then play your part. He was compassionate. He was merciful. He was well-planned. He was organized. He was thoughtful. He was cross-cultural. He loved women. He loved men. He loved all colors of people. He had mercy. He didn't just hang with the rich. And he didn't just hang with the poor. He could hang with the best of the rich. And he could hang with the poorest of poorest. He was a man that understood his assignment. And my friends, you know what? That's what God is calling us to do. Understand the assignment. Let's live it out. And let's live it out together. Now, let's go back to the glory. Have the veil lifted. You know what? Scope out the things of God. Live out the things of God. That's what the church is. That's where we're headed. We're a community of people. We're not just a bunch of individuals gathered together to worship one God. We're unified. Not uniformed. And I find this fascinating. Because, you know, when God gave a vision to the man who led a group of people, a whole nation of people out of Israel, out of Egypt, the Israelites. It's amazing to me because he got a glimpse of God's glory, but it's amazing to me at the details that God gave this man named Moses. And honestly, what we're trying to create, again, is a community, not just a crowd. We're trying to create an environment that reflects What we see and the amazing things that God can show up and show off, not just a crowd, but a a whole community. The Bible says this, and this really stood out to me is God told this man, Moses, look, I want to, I want you to create a place, a, a tent of meeting, a tabernacle where, where I can dwell. My glory can reside with the people. And the Bible says that in this particular day, to get a glimpse of God's glory, that God came and gave Moses details of how to build this amazing tabernacle where God's glory and God's presence would reside. And here's the deal. It wasn't just done any old kind of way. It was done in a fashion how God wanted it. And I find that fascinating because He gives Moses the exact details down to the inches and the measurements, the colors, the the places. And though we know today that God doesn't reside in confinements of 
of a building. What we do know is the same God that came and rested in that place, in that tabernacle, is the same God that comes and rests upon his people, in his people, in a community. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know what? We can't build a house for God with our human hands. But can I tell you something? We can build a house for God by opening our heart. Would you let the glory of God speak into your life today? Because we are created to be a reflection of an all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at one time God. And God has called me to call you, a people, into concert, into, into unity, playing together in one accord. Not playing the same instrument, not doing the same thing. Can you imagine with me for just a moment if every one of these band members that came in here every week came in here with their own song they wanted to play? And they said, look, God spoke to me, I'm going to do this. And the drummer said, well, he spoke to me, I'm going to play this song and this beat. And the guitar said, oh, I'm going to play this song and this tune. No, 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 no. It would be all out of order. It'd be crazy. It'd be chaotic. Nobody would understand. And it's the same thing with his church. It's diversity. It looks different. We love the same God through Christ Jesus. We're a people. But can I tell you something? We're a band, man. Playing in one accord. One one song. One direction playing our instrument, doing what God has assigned us. It's been about the same vision. And what's amazing is when God gave Moses this direction for this building, the Bible says His presence comes and resides in it. But I want to show you something. And God spoke to my heart about this this week. Because I've been asking the question, Lord, I feel like you've revealed your vision. I just wished everybody would get on board with it. God said, ain't going to happen. Everybody ain't going to get on board with it. But you share it and you share it anyway. So, I've done the best I can to share the vision. But, Listen to what the Bible says in Exodus 35, verses 20 through 22. It says, so the whole community of Israel, God gave all these dynamic instructions to Moses about how to build this thing. It says, they left Moses and returned to their tents. And this is the part that got my heart. It says, all whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. There was a whole community that Moses spoke to but it says, it says only some of the people's heart were moved and stirred by the Spirit. And they brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals, and for the sacred garments. The Bible goes on to say here in verse 22, both men and women came, all whose hearts were willing. So, see, The message I want to deliver to you today is this. We're sharing the vision. 
but we're not making anybody give financially to make it happen. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that these people gave willingly because their hearts were stirred by the Spirit of God. And what that speaks to me today is there's going to be people who don't want to give willingly. But those who gave willingly and whose God touched their hearts and were a part of this unique community that God used to to build this incredible place that His presence would reside. The Bible says it was the Spirit of God who stirred on their hearts to do the giving and they willfully gave. And so what I want to declare to you today, we're asking, you know what, if anybody would come and we're asking would anybody participate in helping us move this vision forward, but it is not a demand that you got to give today to to come up in here and do any of that stuff. No, I'm sharing the heart, man. I'm sharing the vision. And it ain't going to be like you get struck dead if you don't give. All I'm asking is you to ask God what He would have you to do and personally do to make this come forward. I was reading through this whole tabernacle experience with Moses and the ones with the willing hearts and at the end of the thing Exodus 40 verses 33 and 34 it says this says so at last Moses finished the work Moses didn't just do the work by himself the Bible says that many people many people help create this atmosphere because it's too big for one greatness is too big for one and it's all God's people collectively working together for a common cause The Bible says, then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And, you know, honestly, God is here. God is among us. God lives in us where his people gather together. And there's no doubt in my heart or in my life that God is working in and through us in this community. But but I think what's going to move move the presence of God to another level in this area in this region in this community it's for us to unify our hearts together to display the glory of God in a powerful powerful way and I really think this journey is not just about doing the next thing or getting to the next level I think this journey It's really more about unifying our hearts of the things of God and working together with God at the center of it. And so, again, we've called it a faith offering. We're going to invite you into that. Love to see you participate. But uh, again, it's, it's all about unity. It's all about working together. And there's no doubt in my mind that there's the resources in our hands maybe even in an individual's hands in this room to execute this campus. But that's not the point. The point isn't somebody writing a check to execute the campus. The point is building us and our faith together in the process to execute it. And I want us to grab hold of that today. Let's let our faith be built up in who God is. 
and shine it out. Let each person do willfully what God has placed in their heart. It's not about one. Greatness is too big for one. It's going to take a community of people to reflect God's amazing glory to, to, to the world. So that's what we're inviting you into. Our hosts are going to go ahead and come forward. I'm going to pray for our offering. And I'm also going to pray for you today uh, before, we, before we take this up together. And they'll be passing the buckets through the auditorium. So host, if you go ahead and come and stand in the front, I ask that you bow your heads. Let's bow our heads together today. More importantly today, than deciding what you're going to do to help move this vision forward is have you entered into the presence of the living God? Have you surrendered your life to God and trusted who Jesus is the way that God has provided for you to come to Him? And my friend, if you have not, you can simply do that in this moment, this day. If you want to be a part of God's amazing plan and God's glory as it's reflected into this earth, the first step is to have the veil removed. The Bible says it only comes by believing in Christ. So if that's what you need to do, just right where you sit today, say, God, I need the veil lifted. I need to see your glory. Say, God, Thank you for Jesus, the way that you have given me to enter into your presence. Tell God, thank you for him dying on a cross, forgiving you of your sin and shedding his blood to give you his righteousness. Tell God, thank you for the cross and thank you for the resurrection. Tell God today you believe in this Jesus and you believe he's going to return and you want to help set it up you want to help bring up there down here my friend if you said that with your heart not just your words I want to say welcome to the family it is the most important decision you have ever made and today God we pray that we move forward together in unity In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise in here today.